Today's episode of Locked on Hornets is brought to you by CBDMD. Whether you're a pro athlete, exhausted parent, or you spend all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try Freeze, Recover, and every other CBDMD product, you can take 25% off your next order when you order with the pro- promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com promo code NBA for your 25% off purchase of superior products from CBDMD. Let's get to the show. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not of the Scribe. And if you follow any of those accounts on Twitter, you should be following all of those accounts. You can ask us some questions because we are going to be introducing today and continuing to do this consistently. We promise. We're going to be doing mailbag episodes every single week. We're going to be doing these every single Wednesday of every week. That will be the mailbag episode. And so how we're going to handle this is we're going to dip our toe in the water today, going to put in a few of the questions that some of the followers had for us. And by the way, all of you listeners, you guys are awesome. Already knew that. I, I not I know yeah. you already knew the listeners were awesome. I didn't realize how awesome they were. We got so much love when Nada had the good idea of putting that out there. And look, mailbags happen all over the place, and we just have been lazy and not done that so much, and been on the Twitter and been trying to activate that possibility as much as we We've could. Been swamped though, technically. And, no, like, no, we have. You're, you're. Yeah, I know. Yeah, lazy probably a little strong. And hell, yeah. I'm, I'm the, I'm the Twitter lazy one. So you're the one that's putting in the work here. But everybody that came in and gave us a question to ask. I mean. Goodness gracious, so much support, so much involvement when not to put that out there. We are very, very thankful. So we've put all of your questions in a vault. And if we do not get to some of those questions today, remember, we're kind of dipping our toe in the water here. And then we will next week start to really dive into all of your questions. So you still have time. Feel free at any of those Twitter handles. You can tweet at us any of the questions that you want answered on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. But you guys are awesome. We're going to be getting to some of those questions today. And we'll officially kick off the mailbag episodes on Wednesday every single week. Good idea, Nada. You know, sometimes you have good ideas. Every once in a while you do. I'll give you credit. Every once in a while I have something that will just basically pop and be like, hey, we're doing this. Everybody <laughs> wants to ask me all these questions. So you know what? Why don't I just answer them in the place that actually makes me money? I thought that was going to be the way I was going to handle this. Also, one more thing. If you don't hear your question asked, don't also think it may be something that hits for next week. We may end up using it as an entire topic for an entire show or an entire segment. And that way you can say, hey, you inspired us to do this. (laughs) There's always that. So don't necessarily just start thinking that, hey, we're going to, again, they ignored us. They did this. We didn't, they didn't think my question. No, we have ideas for stuff that, and you may have a completely different way of thinking about the Hornets that we haven't thought of. And it may blow our minds and we may use it for a segment. So there's that. 
So literally, I'm just saying this. Don't don't get your feelings hurt if you didn't hear your question answered, because most likely you'll hear it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And we still appreciate uh, you getting involved with us, engaging with us as a podcast. You guys are make or what uh, makes this thing continue to be able to uh, to get off of the ground. So we really do appreciate it. And let's kind of lead off with uh, a, a topic that we were going to discuss because of how important it is anyway. R- right now, not a. LaMelo Ball is going crazy. Everyone's paying attention. Magic Johnson is tweeting about the Charlotte Hornets. All of the national NBA pundits are paying attention, and it's a big time to be a Charlotte Hornets fan, and it's the biggest time we've had in in quite a while. Um, Also, LaMelo Ball has been starting, really only getting in the starting lineup truly because of injuries. At first, it was Terry Rozier. Then he comes back, but as soon as he comes back, it's Devontae Graham with that groin strain, and now he's been out. He's going to be out again tonight, by the way, against the Memphis Grizzlies, so he's still not going to play. It's another certain start for LaMelo Ball, and there's just no way in hell after after the way LaMelo's played that you can put him back to the bench, I would have to imagine. I know you've come around on that too, saying that LaMelo should be starting now after the way that he's played and how everybody's paying attention. Real quickly, here's a soundbite from Rick Bennell on the afternoon rush yesterday talking about uh, putting LaMelo ball on the bench and the question that comes after you start LaMelo ball. I would agree with you that it seems inconceivable that LaMelo would not continue to start. That leads to, obviously, a really interesting tumble-down question. What next? Um, I have two thoughts about that. One is, um, I hear a lot of people calling that Devontae is the logical person to come off the bench. Maybe. But I have a feeling that Terry, both in terms of experience and versatility, might be the more logical person to be the sixth man. The other thing, though, that I brought up to Borrego before the game last night that I intend to write about is you know if you you know now that you can break down every single lineup that a team plays in terms of how it does, um, that three guard lineup has actually been pretty good in fairly limited minutes this season. I asked uh, JB last night if he thought that you know that we might see a fairly you know steady diet of Ball, Graham, and Rozier together, whether or not the three of them start. And I was surprised to hear just how much JB, you know, was sort of pushing the idea that I should be ready to see a lot of that going forward. So that was Rick Bennell talking about, yeah, there's, there, it's just not really conceivable to put yeah. LaMelo on the bench at this moment in time. But also the question becomes, what do you do with the rest of the starters, specifically in the backcourt? And that kind of leads us to you know, what that kind of leads us to our first question in the mailbag. And this comes from Dave Dave. Uh, Dave Hainegraff, I believe that's how you say it. Yes. He asked, what is the possible way out of the Terry, Tay, and Mello conundrum? I can't imagine that Terry or Tay want to become career bench fixtures. He says in parentheses, I think all three are starters. And so when we talk about, at least for the now, we'll look at the macro in a second. But Nada, when you look at the now, I think I think the best way for James Brago to handle this is what is the be- what is the personality that can best handle going to the bench? Because yeah. I, I don't know, like you see LaMelo and Graham's numbers together and they have a better net rating than when Terry Rogier and Devontae Graham are on the floor together. It's, you know, it, it's a net rating. At least, you know, you look in, it, it, it's sitting around four and a half and five. And then you look at, at Graham and Rogier together without LaMelo, then, you know, you're talking about, you know, uh, 
a net rating that's uh, you know hovering around zero or in the negatives. Um, to me, you know, Lamelo and Graham, that's probably the starters you want to go with. And I also think, like, I'm not saying that Devontae is so fragile that he can't handle going to the bench. I just think that I think that's the kind of way that you answer all of this. I, I, I because at some point you're going to get all of these guys playing significant minutes and even the one through three aspect when you're playing Devonte Lamelo, and Terry Rozier all at the same time that offensive rating is awesome when you see all three of those guys on the floor they're still going to get significant run I, I think that the way you handle it at least in the micro at least going forward for this season I think you just have to handle this with who best handles going to the bench and even with Terry Rozier adapting so much already not I think Terry's probably that guy that you go to and say can you be our sixth man and our leader off of the bench yeah like I worry about that but like that's the thing I guess like I do worry about that like I want like Terry makes the most sense but at the same time it's literally how like how many concessions can you legitimately ask of that man to, to have made at mm-hmm. this point, because this will be, what, his fourth for this team in less than two years? Like, that's Yeah, like, let's back. let's go through that. So you you allow Devontae to be the point guard, and I guess you accept an off-ball role after thinking you're going to be the point guard, which is a big one, and then you would go to the bench after all of this. And, it, like, I, I mean, is, is drafting LaMelo really a, a concession to ask not, from not Terry? Not as much, but... I, I I, there's two big more. ones, though, to your point. Like, I, I totally agree with your uh, with your point. Like, the thing is, is, like, there's at least two big ones, and those are two big ones, and now you're asking him to, like, literally sacrifice probably some minutes, probably some stature, this, that, and the third. That's a lot to ask a dude to sacrifice. And I understand that the other way is asking Devontae in a walk year to go to the bench and that potentially affecting his money, which I also understand is one of those things that, like, is very, very sensitive. So it's a tough ask of whomever you ask to go to the bench because at the same time, it's either you're affecting someone's future money this year or someone's future money next year. And no matter what, that's a lot to ask for either dude who has basically been the kind of guy that's exemplified this Hornets culture altogether. So it's it's tough for me that on that one because I don't know how you do that. But to answer, the, like for me at least, the only answer to this question is a trade. Now the question is, who are you trading? And with the Hornets being as competitive as they are, is a trade going to bring back another small guard? Because if you're going to do that, you were sapping away at one of your biggest strengths and possibly creating a weakness. Yeah, and and looking at the macro, as you're mentioning, it, the, I think I agree. Like, that's the best way out of this because the other alternative is going at it with these, these guys. Let's say that you even signed Devontae Graham long term let's say you go ahead and make that decision and we'll get to the monk aspect of this in another mailbag question that we received but just as far as addressing this specific one from dave you you talk about signing Devonte graham and then you have terry rogier left for one more year on his deal and you risk having him just play out the rest of his contract and then him leaving for something else without getting any assets in return if you decide to sign Devonte graham long term and so I agree. Like, I think trading Terry is probably the best way out of this, even with him becoming an unbelievable shooter. I look, I know I, I say it all the time, 
that guy's catch and shoot numbers and just the overall percentage from the perimeter, it's pretty ridiculous. You know, it's become a go-to for Borrego. Like if you need something good to happen, if you need a, a good offensive bucket, the play you're drawing up, it's trying to get Terry Rogier free for a three-pointer. Like that, that's the that's the efficient play. That's the thing to go to when he's shooting 44% from three. <laughs> yeah. It's tough to lose. Like I I no doubt get it. The advanced stats would favor Devante. Just the overall shooting numbers certainly uh go towards Terry Rogier. It's it's not an easy it's not an easy answer. Like I, I would say trade Terry Rogier, because I think you can get a lot for him still with that contract, one year left on his deal, somebody that's shooting a lot, which is such a valuable skill to have in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I think trading Terry Rogier is probably the right answer too. Nada. We'll get to some of this other stuff coming up in the second segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. But first, this episode is brought to you by 1010. Now you may have read about this in the New York Times and Style Magazine or in Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. When they're gone, by the way, they are gone. We, are, uh, we all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people, and with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. We have more mailbag questions coming up on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I do not like the MB2 nickname. That Lame- oh, it's bad. Lamelo, come yeah. on, man. I mean, look, I, I love everything else about you, but the MB times two. How in the world do you not like Airbnb, but you like MB times two? I yeah. that's that's bad. We can't allow him to create, and that's the that's the, the reason the rule exists. You can't give yourself your nickname. You can't do no, that. Exactly. So, this is as I'm, bad as Kevin Durant wanted to call himself the servant. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily pod, breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. You can start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. Nada, uh, looking at this next question that we get, this one comes in from... Max Anartis, I believe. Max, A-N-A-R-T-I-S. We appreciate that question. Um, Do you think the Hornets can and will re-sign both Devontae Graham and Malik Monk? What will both get on the market? And so this becomes an interesting question because Malik Monk has been playing well. And I, I don't know what the interest in Malik Monk would have been had he continued to be in this role where basically he's playing on, he's sitting on the bench and then when he would come in, he might play well, but then there'd be a mistake and Borrego would sit him immediately. That's not what's happened so far. At least this next time that he's entered the rotation, Malik's been playing legitimately well and he's found his shot at a more consistent rate than we've really ever seen it before in the NBA. Rick Bennell joined again, the afternoon rush and kind of talked about this too. And he had this to say about how Malik has actually made himself some money. When a player knows that he's a few months away from free agency, he gets really you know, they get very uncomfortable when you ask them questions about that. Malik is totally aware of how much 
you know, is riding on his performance this season. And uh, let me let me put that into context. Um, before he started, got back into the rotation, I actually had an executive from another NBA team tell me that he thought that Malik was in danger of having to play for the minimum next season mm. if something didn't change about his profile. And I told the guy, I can't believe that. And what the guy said, which is interesting, is that, you know, in these economic times, you know, you're going to pay whatever you have to pay for a great player. I think in the last 10 games, Malik has made himself a lot of money in his next contract. So when Rick mentions, Nada, that Malik has made himself some money, what are we looking at here? And, and how does that affect what the Hornets decide to do when signing Devontae Graham and trying to figure out what you want to do with Malik Monk long term? How are you handling this if you're Mitch Kupchak and company? Honestly, the question I have is, like, can you, like, with any kind of long-term decision-making that you're going to make between Graham and Monk, unfortunately, you got to figure out who's going to probably factor less on my cap, and more importantly, how how do they fit with LaMelo Ball? Because every decision that you're making after probably you drafted LaMelo Ball is how are we going to surround this guy with as much talent as we can, and are they complementary fits for what they do? I'm not sure Devontae Graham is going to be a better fit long term. And I'm not sure if and, and it goes back to what you were talking about in the first segment about trading Terry Rogier. When I said trade, I wasn't talking about Terry Rogier. I was talking about trading Devontae Graham. Like, I'm uh, not I sure. I thought you were talking about trading Terry. Oh, no, 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 no. I kind of am in this. Someone's going to have to go, and ter- for what Terry does, he fits really well with LaMelo. For what Malik does, he fits it very, 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 very well. At the same time, I'm not sure how well Devontae Graham fits with LaMelo Ball long term. And, unle- and unless you're telling me Devontae's signing a six-man-of-the-year type deal, and I, by that I mean anywhere from ten to twelve million for the next four year, four to five years. I'm not sure that he fits, and that's what I worry about. And if you're Mitch, how can you fit somebody that's got this very, very small contract into maximizing something for the long term, especially with no sign in trade? Uh, since there's, it's going to be hard to do sign in trades in this era of basketball right now. So. I, I kind of wonder, well, like, how this fits. But if you're telling me who I have to pick, I'm going to reluctantly pick Malik Monk for right now. Yeah, I don't even think it's because Devontae Graham has been someone that's been a, a bad fit with LaMelo. I think they've played well together. And when LaMelo was drafted, I tweeted this out. Even with the perceived depth on this team at the time, that's, I think, actually come to fruition. I don't think it's necessarily just perception anymore. I think it's reality. You actually are pretty deep in the backcourt. You, you feel good about the backcourt players that you have because you drafted LaMelo, and now Malik Monk is is playing very well since James Brago has gone to him. So now you have four guys, right? Devontae, yep. LaMelo, Terry, and Malik. And I think when you drafted LaMelo Ball, I always thought Devontae and Terry could be good in an off-ball role. Hell, we saw it from Terry. Just outright saw it from Terry last year where that was by far his better role than being someone that needed to handle the basketball. But Devontae, even with him handling the basketball well enough and him being a good facilitator and, and him being a really good decision maker, you know, the, he could still adapt 
in that two guard spot, even though being crazy small, playing off ball really suits Devontae well, too. And you look at the net rating with those guys on the floor at the same time. Those numbers are really good. The thing about Malik, too, here, Nada, is the fact that if this three point shot is somewhat real, you know, he's shooting 48.1% right now. That's not going to keep up. If you get, even if you're with Malik and he's shooting, you know, 40 or below, I mean, if you're, again, if you're in that sweet spot, let's go 37 to 40, anything like that, then Malik Monk becomes also another great fit alongside a LaMelo. You're still talking about a really good passer in Malik. Mm-hmm. Malik is the best driver of any of the three. I know you think LaMelo is, but just even talking about Terry and Devante, Malik is a better driver than both of those guys for sure with the decision-making. And so I, I think Malik, if he's going to cost less money than Devante, he's the guy that makes the most sense when you're trying to figure out who to keep long term. And it's not because Devante doesn't adapt long term. I, I like what Devante it, it was a bad shooting slump at the beginning of the season. I still like what Devante can bring, and I hope Devante can continue to shoot better. He's shooting at about 36% from three right now, so he's brought that percentage up. It's still a guy, Nada, that the best field goal percentage he's ever had in the three years so far. Yet, Yes, young tenure, but last year he shot 38.2% from the field, and he's shooting 35.2% from the field right now. The guy just can't hit two-point field goals. Uh, he's, He's shooting worse from two point range this year than he did last year. And not a, we were discussing how that needed to fix itself. And my God, he's shooting a lot worse within the three point arc this season. When you look at that, that's yeah, a real that, problem for me. That is, that's not just a problem for you. That's a problem for the whole team, because at this point you basically chase him off the line. You nullify what he can do. And the other thing that I think is fair, but unfair is you got to remember that this dude's 26. So he's going to be looking to get at least one or two different bites at the apple and how much growth is there left for a guy like this and it's something that others have mentioned to me before about him but at the same time i do wonder what's the what's the ceiling with him at least with malik unfortunately again he may be 22 23 but at the same time there's still another at least level for malik to get to to where if he's dollar even if he's dollar tree lou williams that's still a great rotation guard that can get you buckets on any given night so for guys like that like that's why i would probably prefer to invest in a guy like that even though Devonte graham makes what you sound just it makes what the hornets culture and the development staff that's what you're aiming for Devonte graham is a shining example of that i'm just not sure you can invest in that and what, what kind of message that sends long-term is also a big, big problem. Because if you can't invest in a Devontae Graham, then you're going to have guys saying, well, if you're not going to invest in Kemba and you're not going to invest in Devontae, what, again, how much faith do I have that you're eventually going to invest in me as well? That is a problem. That is a message that I'm not sure Mitch wants to send either. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, when we were talking about Devontae Graham potentially signing that contract extension anytime Bobby Marsh would talk about it he would discuss just what it was like that he could receive up to the four years and 54 million dollar contract extension so that would be a starting salary of about you know 12 million so okay you look at you look at four years for 54 you're really talking about what I guess that's about 13 mil something like that Mm -hmm. um it is 
do you pay more than that now? Like, are you talking about, are, are you cool with paying Devonte Graham a similar contract to what Terry is making? Like, are you paying him up to 17 million No. or do you want to go with Malik at a better rate? Cause Malik's not going to make 17 million. You know, that that's the question. Um, and I, I wonder if even Devonte is going to get there. Like is Devonte more of a guy that's probably now around that kind of money anyway, because he, he hasn't improved shooting wise or some of the areas that you wanted him to improve. Devonte really hadn't done that nearly as much this season. It's an interesting question. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that. Send in via Twitter to Max Anardis. That's at Max Anardis and also hanging with Cooper. We kind of delved into that one too. Yeah. Great handle. Good. Did you like hanging with Mr. Cooper? Did you like that show? I love that show. But again, to answer his question, do I see the long-term backcourt of the future? Like, no. I think if it's... Well, with Monk, well, he says long-term is the backcourt of the future Malik Monk and LaMelo Ball. It it seemed like you were kind of going that route, right, Nada? Where you were saying Um, Devontae is the guy on the way out? Starting backcourt, starting backcourt, no. But... It, in spurts, yes. I don't see Malik as a starter for right now. So you're just saying keeping Malik over keeping Devontae? Malik, not, that's not who you start with to me, at least. He hasn't earned that much. To be determined, he could earn that closer to the end of the season. All right. Thanks again to Hanging with Cooper and Max and Nardis. Uh, real quickly, before we get to the last segment of today, I want to talk to you about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered, um, has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts we have another question to get to coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than... God Almighty. (laughs) Keep this... You're you're not deleting this at all. This is going to end up being a a, a bit. I promise you. It's going to... No. No, it's going to be a bump. It's going to be a bump. Let it... Let it... Just let it be. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets Podcast. March Madness is a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. You can get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first big board of the year out with profiles of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get your podcast. This question comes in from at underscore T underscore Ashley. Coming from someone who isn't old enough to appreciate the 90s Hornets, the only Charlotte basketball I really know has been the Bobcats to to now. Can you remember having this much fun and optimism at any point in your Hornet Bobcat fandom? Because I can't recency biased be damned. I'm here for that, by the way. Like the recency bias be damned yeah. totally here for the yeah, last no, part of that. that. We're here for yeah, that. It's, okay. it's okay to have fun right now. That's okay. Like we don't have to call it recency bias. It's totally fine. And you might even have some primacy bias when you talk about the first good team here with the Hornets, right? Going yeah. back to the the Zoe and the uh, the LJ days. The answer to that question for me, Nada, is it's been a long time, yeah. but yes, I, I think I'm 28 years old. So 
I didn't get to experience the the Zoe and the LJ Hornets real time. You know, I was alive, but you know, I was still wearing diapers then, so I don't remember, you know, having fun and the buzz that did surround the city of Charlotte. My favorite team growing up was that team that just missed out on going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Jamal Mashburn, Baron Davis, you know, uh, when you're talking about those types of players, Eldon Campbell, right? David Wesley, those were the guys that I grew up watching. That was a good basketball team. And I remember watching those playoffs. I remember watching that Milwaukee Bucks series and coming oh so close to facing the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that wasn't that great and, you know, could have gone to the NBA finals. Like that's a legitimate thing. They, They really could have. And real quickly, while I'm on this ramble, if you're a Hornets nostalgia fan of the early 2000s teams and you'll appreciate this, I've heard Bill Simmons talk about this with some of the O2 Allen Iverson episodes. And as you're kind of looking back at Allen Iverson, where does he rank in the pantheon? Do you still respect him despite some of the advanced stats saying, hey, he wasn't that good, but you know, we can kick that out, right? But when they would go look at that, they were looking at his accomplishments. And of course, you go to the one finals appearance that Allen Iverson ever had in his career. And Bill Simmons constantly refers to that Bucks and 76ers Eastern Conference final series, how he felt like the Bucks were the better team. And it's funny because me as a Hornets fan listening to that, knowing how close the Hornets were to beating the Milwaukee Bucks in the series previous to that, it's like, wait, you know, that was our chance. Like here's Bill Simmons actually trying to go back and retroactively give credit to the Milwaukee Bucks with Ray Allen and Glenn Robinson. It's like, wait, the Hornets almost beat them. You know, that went the distance and they could have almost faced Philadelphia. And if you're saying the Bucks were the better team, the Hornets could have been the better team than the Bucks, and therefore beat the 76ers. So yes, to your question there, I can, I am old enough to remember a time that was this exciting and I'll even go back. 2016 was exciting. Nada. Like how exciting was that to you? And where do you have that answer? Like that's the, that's the other thing. Like my answer, I wasn't, again, I moved here in 2002. My first day here was the last playoff game in 2002 where they lost that, that Bucks team. That was um, that was my first experience of Charlotte. I moved here that day. I what what I would tell you is that for everything that everyone's ever told me, the '90s were again that '90s run was incredibly special. It'll never be replicated because of multiple things: economy for one, the newness of sports as a whole, professional sports as a whole in Charlotte. But I would probably tell you that 2016 run was special. At least it was special to me because it was the first time that it it hit me. Yo, these cats are good. It's not just Kemba. It's not just Al doing everything and basically scraping in at 43 wins. No, this team was fun to watch. It was a good team. It was a great team to be around. 2016 matters a lot to me. And I think 2016... The reason that we don't remember it as much is, is because of the Super Bowl run that happened at the same time. Like, they happened to have a really good team right around the same time the Carolina Panthers were going on a 15-1 and Super Bowl run. I really do wish we could go back more and look at that team and w- see what made it so special. But at the same time, like, th- again, I just rem- – again, I, you know what? When I talk about that team, and again – you had Jeremy Lin. That was that was the last probably quote unquote great year. Jeremy Lin was that Hornets team. You yeah. had the last 
the dying embers of Al Jefferson's career, or, or uh, Al Jefferson's career as someone that was probably a rotation guy. You had Nick Batum, that looks like the Nick Batum right now in L.A. That, that was when we liked him. Yeah, right, that was exactly. when we liked That's him. That's when we liked him. That's when we had to keep him. You had Courtney Lee that showed up. Um, Frank Kamensky did a, did a few things. There was a lot to this team that was just so much fun. And the only reason that we don't regard it more is because no one was really paying attention. Unfortunately, that's the only reason we don't we don't talk about it more. Here's what I'll say about that team. You know, I always go back to the fact that, yeah, they were a six seed, which doesn't sound all that fantastic. Just looking at it at the surface. But you have to remember that year there were four teams with a 48 and 34 record. And the Hornets just so happened because of tiebreakers to finish as the last team among all of those franchises that went 48 and 34. The Miami Heat, who they lost to in the first round that year, they were 48 and 34. And in fact, they actually had a worst point differential um, or worst point differential on the season than did the Hornets. The Hornets came in at 2.7 and the Miami Heat as the three seed. They came in with a 1.6 point differential. So you're really talking about the Hornets having the same record in the Eastern Conference as what was the third seeded team. That was a good team. You know, it was that that specific moment. It was fun to watch the Hornets play the Miami Heat in that first round series. And it, it it also I think Nada is pretty forgettable because of such the dud that they laid in Game Seven. Yeah. I just it, they just didn't have a shot to win that game, and we can remember Purple Shirt guy before that. But Game Seven really they just had no shot. They came out flat, and it was awful. But that really was a, a good team compared to a lot of the other Eastern Conference teams. Going back to the point though, you know, <laughs> I feel like yeah we're kind of living in nostalgia with some of our favorite teams to to T Ashley's point on Twitter. Yeah, this is the most entertaining. I'll say it's the most entertaining team I've ever been a part of. Like we can go back to those early two thousands. B Diddy was in the dunk contest. That was fun. Jamal Mashburn could take over every once in a while. Those were cool, right? But as far as the brand of basketball, the passing, the amount of assists that the Hornets have been able to accumulate this season, the shooting, just a better brand of basketball in general, the fact that everyone's paying attention. You even bring back some of the nice duds, right? You bring yeah. back the pinstripes. You have some new stuff with the Mint City Edition uniforms. There's a lot of things that go into this franchise right now that make this as entertaining a team as we've seen to where if we're just talking about the strict entertaining factor, then I think you probably do have to go to the 90s when it was Muggsy Bogues, Alonzo morning and then having LJ do the grandmama thing and dunk on your head like that. That's yeah. probably as far as from an entertaining standpoint, the last time you could go back to something similar to this brand of Hornets basketball. So it's an exciting time. Not a, I'm, <laughs> I can't wait to see where this team is going to go. And I'm already here for where they are right now. Speaking of right now, they'll play the Memphis Grizzlies tonight, looking for their third uh, or looking for their second three-game win streak in eight games. They've won five of their last seven, so they're rolling right now. Should be a lot of fun, and we'll recap that game tomorrow. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks again for all of the support. We really appreciate you guys putting in your questions on Twitter at those Twitter handles, not of the scribe, Walker Mail, Locked on Hornets. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA or really any show on the Locked on Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.